that's a question I hear a lot is how do you stay true to the gospel while being successful? Almost as if they're separate. For you, how would you define success? Two main things that I attribute a lot of my success to is... Parker Walbeck is with us today. I'm your host, Stephen Jones. This is the podcast where we help you bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to life. And we went around, we went around to one of these local campuses today. And we asked this question, we said, how would you describe success? Success is an accumulation of your attitude and your effort. Peaceful and happy like with myself and who I am and where I'm going. It comes from a work ethic and you have to like work hard to achieve. Relationships, the connections that you have with people. Being able to provide for your family, take care of your family. Are really what matters most. What do you think it would take? Baby steps in the upper direction. And you can reach your goals. Honestly, it took a lot of sacrifices. For example, me moving out here and by myself. That's, you know, just that makes you successful. The reason why we wanted Parker on this on this episode was because you actually have been able to achieve quite a bit of success, the people would say. In some Easy. regard, sure, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so he has close to 2 million subscribers on YouTube, people would say. He has a full-time filmmaker, um, academy, not an academy, but basically online, course, online yeah. course that has how many students around the world? We got almost 30,000 students from around the globe. Which comes with some financial success, if we're being honest. We, I thought it'd be interesting to have you come and talk about, you know, what are the principles? What are the actual things that you put into action that you believe that have helped you to uh, to achieve that? I mean, going back to, I base everything in my mission. That's where I feel like I learned a lot of these principles. I was successful in some regard in high school playing sports and and whatnot, but it wasn't until my mission that I learned what true success is and, and how to achieve and, and reach goals and and uh, become something more than than you know what you already are. Anyone who served a mission knows that learning time management, learning discipline, learning how to be on a schedule, how to wake up every morning and do certain actions, live by certain principles every day. Um, I didn't learn that till my mission. And my mission, my mission president called it, your mission should be the foundation for the rest of your life. And to me, that's exactly what it is. And I'm such a big advocate for missions because of that. Now, not everyone goes on missions, or even if they do, they don't serve it in a way where they build that foundation. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from my mission was from um, Elder Corbridge, from the fourth missionary. He says, you can do the very things that create happiness, but if you don't want to do those things, it won't actually make you happy. Wait, 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 wait. Say it again, say it again. Well, Mar Moroni calls it real intent, right? So he says, you can give a good gift, but if you don't, if you do it begrudgingly, mm. if, you, if your heart isn't in it, you won't benefit from it. It won't be countered unto you as righteousness. And so the concept is you could serve an entire mission doing the very things that are supposed to make you happy. But if you're withholding your heart the whole time, you'd rather be at home playing football or with your girlfriend. Even if you're doing the actions that are supposed to make you happy, if your mind and your heart is somewhere else, it won't actually create happiness. It won't actually benefit you. You won't actually become anything different, even though you did the very actions. And so in the mission is where I learned that principle that, okay, look, I've gone my whole life. I've lived in the gospel. I know it's true, right? To some extent, anyone who's grown up in the church has some semblance of a testimony. They know certain aspects are true, 
but are you converted to those truths? Mm. Have you lived them in a way to where they become a part of who you are? And that conversion process for me didn't happen until my mission. I turned that knowledge, that understanding, even that testimony I had, and day after day, I would put those principles into practice, not just in action, but in heart as well. And, and there was times of the mission where my heart wasn't in it, you know? And yeah. that's what Corbridge talks about, other Corbridge talks about in that talk is, it's trying to be that fourth missionary, that one who has his heart in it as well. That third missionary is doing all those good things, but the heart's not in it. And so their third and fourth missionaries, you have the second missionary who's the one who doesn't, isn't obedient and doesn't benefit much. The first missionary is the one who goes home. They just didn't want to do it at all. Um, but that third and fourth missionaries, they're both on paper, they look the exact same. And I feel like there's a lot of members of the church that are in that camp where we're all going to church and only you and God know if your heart's in it. Yeah. We all have the appearance of righteousness, the appearance of living the commandments, but is your heart in it? And if it's not, you aren't going to be actually benefiting from those actions. You aren't going to be becoming a new creature. You're not going to have that change of heart as the scriptures call it, right? So the mission for me was that time where I learned um, that difference between just going through the motions and acting things out because that's what culturally you do and figuring out how to do it in heart um, as well and actually be converted to those principles. And when you do that, when you go through that process, the gospel, it goes from being a burden, a checklist of things that I have to do to a joy of things that you want to do because they are ingrained in your soul. They become, you become the principles of the gospel. They just become second nature. And so, the mission established those principles. They became ingrained into who I was. And then when I got home from my mission, I just kept doing them. I just kept living these principles of the gospel that led me to find happiness and fulfillment and success on the mission. And I applied them to my business. I applied them to dating. I applied them to schooling. And man, I was so much better of a student coming back from my mission than I was in high school. And I'm not sure if I was that much better of a dater. I've never been great at that. But... <laughs> I was able to do well in my jobs and, and find success in building my own business, not because I'm special or more talented than anyone else, but because I'm willing to um, put in the practice of these principles that create success. There's the formula to success is, is outlined in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in front of us in the scriptures and it, is, it can be applied to any aspect of life. Okay, so with that said, for you, how would you define success? Because people, when they look at Parker Welbeck, there's like, okay, like I said at the beginning, you have all of these different, you know, achievements when it comes to YouTube, you know, number of subscribers you have, you know, number of people that we said in your, in your course, uh, there's financial gain involved in that. How do you define it? Yeah, I think uh, most... And some of the kids we're talking to on the street today, right? Money and power. If you've gained money, that means you've been successful. It's a, it's a byproduct of success. And then with money comes power. It's what common answers you'll hear on the streets. And to me, those are byproducts. When, when you are living principles of the gospel, we know that, you know, Heavenly Father wants us to be prosperous. He wants us to uh, be happy and, and have joy in life. And so, the scriptures are a constant roller coaster of up and downs of, of God 
giving people blessings for living principles and then they start to forget God and then forget him. And we go yeah. through this pride cycle, right? Um, and so we know that prosperity, money being included is a byproduct of, of, living, of living eternal truths, right? But if that's the height, if that's the end goal, then I think you're gonna find that once you reach it, first of all, it'll be pretty disappointing. Second of all, if there's nothing higher, then you'll stop there and forget God and then eventually lose it as you get humbled. Um, for me, success is um, becoming like God. Hmm. I feel like that's the whole reason we're here, right? We're here to become more like our creator. And he's given us this beautiful earth to do that on, these wonderful bodies to do that in. And he's given us the roadmap, the instruction manual from the scriptures, right? And to me, I feel successful when I am progressing towards that goal. That was another word, keyword we heard on the streets today is progress. Mm. And I think that's for spot on is if you are progressing, if you are moving forward, if you are improving, to me, that's successful. Sinning is a step backwards and repentance is a step forward. And so as long, we're all, we're all gonna sin. And so as long as we're all repenting and trying to improve in these principles of the gospel, we're going to be continually becoming more like God and in my mind, becoming uh, more successful in life. And to me, the byproducts are the money and the fame and the blessings. Those are just byproducts of, if you are obedient, you will be blessed. Mm. You know, it's a irrevocable law decreed in heaven. Just, it's a byproduct, but those things aren't what is success. Success is becoming like God. And then those things are the byproducts in my opinion. Well, so, I mean, so it, it sounds like a lot of what you're saying too is depends on what you want. Yeah. Because you could want something that's not amazingly, like, you know, the ideal, it depends on what you want. So like you, some, to somebody, it might be bad, somebody it might be good, but somebody might have the desire to achieve something. You could be very successful at, you know, robbing banks. You know what I mean? You could be very successful at- <laughs> Successful bank robbery. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it just depends on what you want. So I'm curious to know, like, before any of this, what what would you say like deep down for you personally? What is it that you want that you're now saying in, in a way you said that I'm successful in these ways, becoming like God or whatever it is that you consider to be the thing that you want? Yeah, I, I think uh, what I want is I want peace. I want health. I want um, healthy relationships with my children, with my wife. And uh, again, those are all byproducts of living the gospel, of becoming more like Christ. Um, I call it the, this is a, a principle Matt Townsend taught me. He was, he's a relationship coach and a good friend of mine. He called it the love triangle. You got God at the top and then you got you in this scenario, me and my wife. And the closer we each get to Christ, the more we become like Christ, the closer we get to each other. And so hmm. our relationship improves as we are becoming more like God. And if that's what my goal is, which it is, my one of my main goals in life is to have healthy relationships with my wife, kids, my friends, people around me, my neighbors, um, then becoming like Christ is the best way to do that. Yeah. You know, he's he's the one who laid out the how to be the best neighbor, how to be, you know, the treat people the best. And so he's our best example. So as we emulate him and, and try to acquire the characteristics that he has those things that I would define as success, having a good marriage, having good 
relationship with your kids. Um, those things are just byproducts. So go back with me for a second. When you started your career, because okay, let's say if we make them parallel, okay, um, all that you achieved, did you set goals for those specific things and obtain them? Yeah. And then how, how did you apply? First of all, what were the principles that you applied and how did you apply them to obtain that? And how does that for you connect to, cause, cause basically I remember talking to you the other day, we were just chatting on the phone and you said, I don't change who I am. You're like, I apply the gospel in every area of my life. I don't, I don't like turn it yeah. on for work and turn it off. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's that's a question I hear a lot is how do you stay true to the gospel um, while being successful? Almost as if they're separate. Like if in order to, the idea that people have in their minds is that in order to have business or financial success, you have to compromise because that's what normally happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so people think, well, you know, everyone who gets famous or gets a lot of money, they leave the church, they leave their testimonies. And so no one ties those things together. They, they look at them as like they're butting heads constantly. And, and my point to you was that I feel like, first of all, they, they work in tandem. They work together as you become more like God, as you apply the principle of the gospel better, it will affect every aspect of your life in a positive way. You will become more successful, whatever you're trying to do, if you apply these eternal principles. When, when people look at my success, they're usually looking at number of subscribers on YouTube. That's an aspiration a lot of young kids have is they wanna grow a following, be an influencer. I don't identify as an influencer or a YouTuber. I identify as an educator. I, I like to educate. And again, yeah. byproduct of that is people follow me because they wanna learn. The main principles, this is what I teach my students is I'm no more talented than any of you. The two main things that I acquire, that I attribute a lot of my success to in business and finance um, is I work harder than most people and I have more confidence in myself than most people. And I mean, faith and work is a pretty core principles of the gospel. Right. And, you know, faith in Christ is one thing. Faith in yourself is another thing, but those also go hand in hand as just having faith in general. Um, but hard work, there's no way around it. That the gospel, here's my opinion. When it comes to success financially, vocationally, or in the gospel, you can choose to do hard work up front and make the consequences easy, hmm. or you can choose to make the here and now easy and then have hard consequences. Whoa. So we get to choose our hard. Hmm. It can be harder up front and then easier to deal with because of the fruits that we have are getting from that hard labor. Or we can choose to sit back, relax, take it easy, not work so hard, and then deal with the consequences later that will be harder than had we put in the, the hard work up front. And so in the beginning with my wife, um, when we first got married, I worked with a guy named Devin Supertramp for a few years, got to travel the world with him. And uh, I quit working for him the month I got married to my wife. Mm. And with with the blessing of my wife, in fact, she was the one that talked me into it. She's like, look, I don't, I don't think you're that happy there. I think what you wanna do is work for yourself and you wanna start your own thing. So I think you should try it out. And so with her blessing, and that's that's an important principle is, is 
any entrepreneur, anybody who wants to start a business is if, if you're married, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you got to do it together. It's yeah. not a solo venture. You have a business partner and, and it's your spouse. I basically said, look, I, I can work a nine to five and I can be content doing that. But I'd like a shot, a chance to try and build something on my own. And I said, so I'm asking you to sacrifice with me the first few years of our marriage. It's not going to be as easy up front, but I'd rather it be hard now so that some of these burdens of finances and stuff can be easier later on so that we can focus our energy on other areas of life. And the, the principle is um, sacrifice in general. That's, that's something that some of the kids on the streets we talked to, to today talked about is that's one defining attribute of, of success is being willing to sacrifice. And I agree with that. I think that that was one of the first principles we applied was, okay, we're gonna sacrifice and I'm gonna work 10, 12 hours a day. That means you and I don't get as much fun time together. We don't get to watch as many Netflix series. Mm-hmm. We don't get to go on as many vacations. We're gonna, be, we're gonna save up more of our money instead of going on vacations and traveling the world. We're, we're gonna save up so that I can build a business. So I spent the first nine months of our marriage building what is full-time filmmaker, <laughs> my online course. I was just going off of savings that I had made while I was working for Devin. The day we launched Full-Time Filmmaker, I had $500 to my name. Hmm. That's, that's what it takes to potentially build a successful business of your own. It takes a little bit of sacrifice. So it wasn't just the time sacrifice of my wife and I, but it was also financial sacrifice. Like it took a lot of money uh, and time for me not being able to make money to build this venture, this, this business opportunity. And then... We launched it and it, it went more successfully than I thought. And then there was kind of a lull where it was like, okay, we had a successful launch, but then kind of came back down. And it's like, all right, if this is going to be successful, I'm going to have to learn and apply some other principles. One of which is, is longevity or perseverance. And I think that's a, or consistency. I think that's another one where I, I have plenty of friends and, and people who come to me wanting to start businesses and that's one of the biggest things I tell them is, look, anybody can start a business. In fact, a lot of people do. And there's a reason 90% of them fail in the first year. It's because people lack this one principle. What? Perseverance, consistency, longevity is their ability to do something hard for long periods of time. Yeah, it's It's one thing to do it for a few months and launch a business and build a logo and get it off the ground. And the work sets in and it's this drudgery and and that's where a lot of people fall off the wagon. And again, gospel principle, what's the fifth step of the five gospel steps? Endure to the end, right? Mm -hmm. So we can apply that to any aspect of our life in a marriage, right? You wanna have a good marriage for how long? (laughs) Three Three or five years, which is about how long a lot lasts these days. Well, you're missing that last principle of the gospel, right? Endure to the end. You got to apply these principles of, of hard work and, and confidence and, and faith for more than just a few months. Depends on how long you want to be successful. If you want your marriage to be successful for forever, then it means you never let your foot off the gas. You're always going to work hard at that relationship, right? Yeah. Tell me this. I mean, because when, when you hear about a lot of the things that you're saying, it's it's easy to say, okay, 
these are the principles that get you to be successful. And we see all of the good, the good, the good, the good. Like, what would you honestly say is for you one of the things that are actually challenging? What's one of the things that that is actually challenging? Where where it was a time where you were like, I don't know, I want to quit. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, you know, a lot of people that know this, they 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 look at someone who's been successful and they think that they've always been that, or it came easy, or they had rich parents that handed it to them, and. The, the truth is, is that's rarely the case. <laughs> yeah. It happens that people get handed something on a platter, but most people who are highly successful are that way because they've uh, adopted highly successful habits and attributes in their life. And if they've gotten successful, they only stay successful, um, however you're defining success, if they continue to do those, those very things. Uh, for me, I almost gave in about six months into starting video production just because I frankly couldn't survive off of it. I needed cash and and I was like selling off possessions of mine just to make ends meet to to try and continue this venture. And and that's another um another principle is patience, right? Um kind of goes hand in hand with with enduring to the end, but being patient in times of of affliction or, or disappointment or where things aren't really going your way. And I did almost throw in the towel with it within that first year of doing video production. And it's a good thing I didn't, otherwise it wouldn't have led to the many things that have, have given us um, the successful business we have today. But I hear on, to relate it to the gospel, I hear people often saying that they're not, like for example, they, they go to church and they're not feeling any different. They're not feeling hmm. anything. They're, they're, again, they're kind of just doing it to do it because it's cultural and their heart's not really in it per se. And so they're not really getting much out of it. And so it, it feels like a chore. And they're wondering, you know, when can I have a break from this, hmm. from these chores? When can I, it's, it's not a joy to go to church. It's more of a burden to live the commandments. They, feel, they feel shackled, right? Yeah, yeah. And they feel like, Living the gospel is this is this burdensome thing that, you know, long list of to dos that you don't want to do, but you have to if you want to fit in culturally in the church and not get judged by your neighbors who are also of your faith. And and so we're doing things for the wrong reason, mm. right? We're we're doing it, but again, we're not benefiting from it if we don't actually want to do it. And in the beginning, that's how it was for me too, with both the gospel and with building my business. When I was a kid in high school. The gospel is kind of a burden. Yeah. It's like, okay, we got I got to fast, uh, you know, yeah. until you become converted to that principle. Then on my mission, I wanted to fast every week because I'm like, this works. Hmm. This principle works. Hmm. I see miracles when I fast. So I want to do it more often. So it becomes a part of who you are, not just this burdensome thing you have to do. And same thing with, I'll relate it to my, my job. So like within video production, you have, you have to learn what shutter speed does and aperture and ISO, and you got to learn about white balance and then you got to figure out lighting and then you got to figure out audio and then you got to figure out, there's all these principles, composition and focal lengths and all these different things that make up a good looking image. And in the beginning, it's a burden. It's like, oh, what am I forgetting? I don't know why my image doesn't look good. 
I got to go back and study and look at, okay, this is what Aperture does. All right, let's apply that. And you have to study, apply, fail, study, apply, fail. You go through this process, this drudgery, this burden of trying to learn these principles. And then at some point after patience and perseverance and consistency and applying these actions and these, these principles, pretty soon they start to become second nature. They, be, they start to become embedded into who you are as a filmmaker or as a videographer. And it's no longer a burden to have all these principles that you have to remember and you have to apply. They just become a part of who you are in allowing you to create these beautiful images yeah. and it becomes a joy. So that transformation between going to work this morning is a burden because I got to put all this mental effort into figuring out what hard light versus soft light means. And, and pretty soon you go through that, that process and you can't wait to wake up to go to work because you enjoy the process of filmmaking. And a lot of people can't get past that hump in their career. And a lot of people can't get past that hump in um, the gospel. Why? Why? They are unwilling to go through that. Like I said, you can choose when you want your hard to be. Do you want the hard to be now and go through that hard work of having to apply the, the, the prophet calls it, do the spiritual work. Mm. It is work. And we don't like to hear that, but there is fruits to those labors. And the fruits is that it will become a part of who you are. You will become more like our savior and, and acting like God, acting like heavenly father would have you, like Christ would, isn't a burden, these sets of commandments that you have to remember and have to follow. They just become something that you act out naturally because you want to and you enjoy it because you've seen the fruits of what it provides in your life. And, and it's an ongoing thing. Conversion isn't something that, oh, once I've done the work up front, now I'm good. Now mm-hmm. I'm converted. And now I can take my foot off the gas and just enjoy the fruits of conversion. It's like, no, it's, it's called a continuing conversion for a reason because getting there is one thing, but it's another to maintain it. Right. And so we have to continue to act in those principles and continue to apply those things. But at least at that point, once you get to that change of heart, to that overcoming the natural man, at least it's not a burden anymore. It's now a joy and your heart is fully in it. And so while you're doing these things that are supposed to make you happy, they are actually now making you happy and you are actually benefiting and becoming more like the savior because you're not doing them begrudgingly. You're not doing them with your heart on the sideline. But what changes though? Because I think in principle, it sounds like, okay, cool. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to keep on persevering. I'm going to keep on being diligent. But like, but for you, what, what changed for you? Can you think of any, like, do you remember when it stopped being challenging, not just, not just in your career, because, you know, you're still living, you, you, you know, you're not, you're not at the end of your life. Yeah. So both in your life and in your career, were there moments where it changed for you? I mean, and, and that's a point that I'll make very clear is that even with work and the gospel, it's not like every second is a joy. There's still yeah. moments of, oh, I don't want to get up today and, hmm. and do that thing. And so it's, it's not all fun and games and flowers and roses. And so that's another thing to realize is I don't want people to put all this work in and realize it's still work. Like, well, I thought you said it was just a joy at this point. It's like, yeah, well, it's, it's a joy, but you know, it's, it's still work, <laughs> you know? 
Um, but hmm. I'll give an example on my mission. Um, I remember the first time scripture study changed from a burden to a joy. Okay. That's, that's my first thing I can vividly remember. I was like, what is this feeling? I've never enjoyed reading the scriptures. Even to this day, I have a hard time reading scriptures. Like that's not something that just naturally I enjoy studying the scriptures. So on my mission, um, you study from like eight to 10. You have personal study, then you have companionship study. And then pretty much the rest of the day, you're studying the scriptures from your teacher in the MTC. And so it was that consistency of every day doing the same thing over and over again. And the biggest thing for me was that it was why I was doing it. It's like, what's the, what's the why behind it? Is it just because I'm told to? Is it just because my parents expect me to? Is it just because God commands it? I started doing it because I wanted to help other people. Mm. I was becoming a missionary, right? And so it's like, I'm, I'm learning this, not just for me anymore, but to teach other people. So when, it, when I got outside of myself and it became about serving others, which again, this is a big point we, we heard today on the streets when we were asking people, what, what gives you purpose and fulfillment and success? And that was a, a key point we heard often was, was self, selflessness, service, all gospel principles. As I got outside myself, forgot myself and went to work, as I lost myself, I gained myself, right? And I started to want to read the scriptures because I was so excited to be able to answer these mock questions that we would do in the MTC, yeah. you know, with pretend investigators. I wanted to know these answers so that I could help that person and so that I could um, teach them these principles. And the, the scripture just came alive to me on my mission. And as you're out on the mission field and you're teaching people consistently every day, you know, and getting questions and doubts. I, I'm a, by nature, I have a lot of faith. Mm. I didn't have a lot of doubts growing up in the church. I started hearing about all the anti stuff, all the doubts on my mission. And mm. it's the first time I'm like, oh, I never thought about that. It's a good question. And so I'd go and study it. And so the scriptures became a joy to me. And I just started filling my soul with this knowledge as I was trying to resolve doubts and become a better teacher to help other people understand the gospel. Then I got home from my mission and kind of lost interest in the scriptures. Hmm. Lasted about six months of continuing to have those study habits and life got busy and I, I kind of lost that drive, that fire of the scriptures. And, and honestly, I've been a roller coaster since then. Hmm. Sometimes I'll find that fire again and sometimes I'll, I'll go weeks, months without really being fully engaged in scripture study. And, and it wasn't until recently that I said, okay, what, what brought me to that fire in the first place on the mission? And it was serving others. Mm. It was being selfless. It was getting outside of myself. And so I set a goal to start sharing the gospel more often. And as I did, I started getting more questions and doubts from people. And then I started finding that fire to, to dive into the scriptures and find answers and g gain a better testimony for myself and help others gain better testimonies as well. And so it was applying these, these principles. I'll say it over and over again, but applying, acting in doctrine, applying gospel principles 
is what's going to allow you to become more converted, to become more like God, and to see the fruits become more successful. Can I just pause you for a second? I want to go back for a minute, okay? I remember yeah. being on the phone with you. My wife, that day before I talked to you on the phone, my wife, that morning, she got in this wreck, and we didn't know because you, you never hardly, you, you rarely use your health insurance, I mean, your, your uh, car insurance. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't happen to have that covered in our, in our car insurance to have a, a rental van or a rental car. And as I was, I just had randomly, you said, hey, how's your day? And I told you what had happened. And then I kind of moved along in the conversation. And then you paused me. You're like, hey, do you have a rental car? You, 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 and I was like, why is he asking me that? And I just kind of kept going. And you're like, hey, do you have a rental car? Right? And then you said, hey, use my, use my van. We have a van up in, up in Draper. And you should use it. So I, I'm curious, what is it that caused you to do that? I... <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a tough question. I, to me, the, the word stewardship comes to mind. I feel like nothing we own is our own. We, we, it's all God's. And that mindset has come from me living the gospel, me making covenants and promises to God, me even per, not just the covenants of the temple, but early on, I, I made a personal covenant promise with God. I said, look, I loved my mission and I would love to do more service like that in the future. I want to go serve missions with my wife. I want to be available for callings if it if it's necessary. I want to serve and build up God's kingdom. And I don't necessarily want to go make loads of money and and build a business, but if I can do that very quickly and get that financial stuff out of the way so that I can focus on the stuff I care about, which is building God's kingdom, because that's what brings me joy as I found in my mission. That's what I want to do, God. And so in a roundabout way, I basically said, if you can help me be successful financially, then I will dedicate the rest of my life to building up your kingdom. Not that, again, not that those are separate. You can still do that while you're going to work. There's still plenty of opportunities, but that came a lot quicker than I thought. I, again, applied the principles of the gospel to find that success. And the success, the money has come a lot faster than I thought. And now I feel like God's coming for, to cash in on, on that promise. Like, hey, I've gotten you a lot of success. I've given you a lot of possessions. I've given you a lot of, of financial freedom. What are you gonna do with it now? And now there's this, this I wanna say burden, but there's this pressure that I feel like, oh, I better, I better come good with that promise. I better figure out how to build up his kingdom and, and uh, make good on my, on my side of the deal. It's not, and I feel like that's where, and it's, it's hard. I feel like that's where a lot of people get lost in the weeds is once that success comes, mm. it is hard to, to say, oh, you know what? I did that. And now I should, I should I've earned the fruits. I, I should be able to go buy a big boat, sail the world, travel around because, and not, again, not, there's anything wrong with going on vacations and buying possessions, but it's the mentality that I've been successful. I've earned this. Now I get stuff. You're saying that you've had moments like that. Oh yeah. That's, that's right where your mind goes when you start getting financial success. And, and it's, that's a battle. Brigham Young said it really well. He said, he said, the members of the church can handle persecution. They can handle trials. They can handle 
But one of the things I'm most worried about is can they handle wealth? And he said, yet they will have to be tried with riches because that's why we're here on earth. We are here to become like God and to be able to inherit all that he has. Hmm. If we are going to inherit all that he has, we're going to have to learn how to be good stewards over a lot, Hmm. not just millions of dollars. God has a lot more than millions of dollars. He has power over the universe to create whatever he wants. If we are to become like him and to possess that kind of power, you're going to have to figure out how to be a good steward over a few dollars on this earth. And so to me, that's the driving force is I want to become like God. I want to inherit all that he has. If I can't prove to be a good steward over a van, my van, Mm. well, no, it's God's. And he's just lending it to you to see if you'll be a good steward over it, to see if you'll be able Mm. to become more like him and, and have all that he has. But if you can't figure out how to share your van, probably not going to be able to handle being an all-powerful being that can create anything he wants. And so to me, that's the driving force is if I want to be like him, I better start practicing being a good steward over the little things he's given me on this earth to figure out how to be a good steward over. Wow, that's that's really deep because I think that um, it's almost what people considered for you to have success. You're saying that that's the moment where you're actually being tried of what you what you defined earlier as success to really become like God, but I don't well, believe I believe that you would have if you had millions or if you had if you had you know the average you still would have you still probably would have offered it to me. That's just my personal opinion. You don't even have to, have to respond. <laughs> but I'm saying it, it when you told me that it felt as if you had already you already knew you were searching to know how you could help. It wasn't like a ah dang I know I have this man. You're like hey. It's almost like you know you have extra stuff and you're looking for ways to do it. Well, that's that's part of it, right? It takes effort. Like the gospel isn't lived well, correctly by being an object who's acted upon. Mm. Like if the opportunity is dumped in my lap, I will serve today. We are to be agents of action, anxiously engaged to do good continually, right? And again, these are all principles of the gospel, but we're not going to accomplish much good if we sit back and hope it falls in our lap. We, we have to be anxiously engaged looking for those opportunities if we're actually going to find them. And so to your point, um, that opportunity that rose up, if I'm not looking for it, if I'm not an agent looking to act, then I'll miss those opportunities. They'll fly right by. So you have to be deliberate. Yes. Is what I feel like. So what about the times where, where are the challenges for you? And I know this is more of a personal question. That one seemed like it was pretty deliberate. It was pretty easy. It was pretty, I already know he gave me this. I, you've gotten to a point where I believe that I need to be a better steward. Where are the ones that are a little bit more challenging for you? Uh, my wife would tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> what would she say? <laughs> we should get Erin here. She'll, uh, she'll give you a long list of uh, everything that I struggle with. No, um, I can point to, I mean, honestly, my wife and I have a terrific marriage. And again, I credit it to the fact that I I looked for somebody who put God first and tried, you know, loved God more than anything else. And so again, that that 
that triangle, right? That love triangle. As long as you love God more than anything else, you will come closer to anyone else who's also trying to become more like him. And so we've, that's why I married her and that's why we've connected so well and why we've had a very happy marriage in general. But it's interesting, anyone who's had children can probably relate. We didn't fight about much in our early couple of years of marriage. And then we had our first kid, we fought about everything. Because now you're making joint decisions about this little human you just created and you have different styles of parenting. You have different ways of approaching you know, uh, how you're going to discipline or how you're going to teach them or what you're going to teach them, how you're going to react in certain situations. And I remember early on feeling frustrated. It's like, why won't she parent the way I do? (laughs) If she could just parent like me, We'd be happy and our kids would turn out perfect, right? And that was like, <laughs> I was just thinking hearing you say that, like, uh, you didn't tell her that, did no. you? Okay. But I knew, right? Deep down, <laughs> I knew I was right. And it was my way. And if she would just come, you know, figure out how to align with my will and my way of parenting, we'll get through this, right? Mm. And I'm a red personality. I'm, you know, I like being in charge. And so that's just a... a personality trait of mine that I'm always trying to battle with is feeling like I'm always right and people need to conform to the way I do things. And that doesn't work in a marriage as uh, anyone who's married can probably attest to that uh, marriage is about compromise. And I I gained a very um, strong testimony of prayer during those hard months and mm. first years and not that we figured it out, but We've, we've learned a lot since we have a, a five-year-old, four-year-old and a one-year-old now. And so we've gone a few rounds and learned a few things and still plenty to learn. But um, I gained a very strong testimony of prayer in those first few months because I'd go to bed at night frustrated with my wife that she's not parenting the way that I want her to parent. And I'd kneel down to pray and... I'd start out in the attitude of, you know, praying for her and that she'll, you know, come around and, and learn the things that I know. Yeah. And as I prayed, my attitude would change. Hmm. And I would start mid-prayer, I would begin humbling myself. And I'd go from trying to align her to my will to trying to align to God's will. Mm. And then as I aligned to God's will, I would realize I don't actually know what I'm doing. Mm. I might have some things right, but I'm probably wrong on some things too. And so I gained a very strong testimony that prayer isn't about getting what you want. Perfect example on the street today. This kid doesn't understand why people, you know, why people pray to a God if they don't even get what they want all the time. And it's like, well, that's not what prayer's for. Prayer isn't to get what you want. Prayer is to align your will with your God's will. And if everyone prayed in that way, the correct way, aligning your will with God's, 
if my wife and I are both doing that every night, aligning mm. our will with God, we will become similar parents and we will parent the way God wants us to. Mm. Not the way I want to or the way she wants to. We will be aligned with God's will and we will parent the way he wants us to, which will remedy both. It will make our relationship in unity and it will give our children the best possible parenting because it will be God's way, not our way. Yeah, that's really good. What um, what did some of those prayers look like for you when you would pray? Um, I mean, for like I said, it, it's it started out as as wanting to get people to praying for other people, and, and it very quickly became recognizing my own weaknesses yeah. and just praying that God would help me overcome them. Okay, look, I need help with patience. I need your help with this. Please help me get better. I'm sorry that I'm struggling with this. And and the prayer just completely 180s to just repentance. <laughs> and to me, repentance is key, right? It's it's recognizing our flaws. It's it's asking for forgiveness and then striving to improve every single day. And prayer, in my opinion, is one of the best ways. Um to accomplish that process is because you have to check in, be accountable to your maker every day. Mm. How'd you do today? Eh, I struggled here. Here's where I'm, I'm falling short. It's that accountability. It's that daily dose of, of humble pie mm. that keeps you grounded, right? And so people ask, well, how do, you, how do you be successful and stay in the church? Pray, read your scriptures. Yeah. go to church. Like it's people want these big answers. Like you must have, must be doing something different to, yeah. to not leave the church. If you're being successful, it's like, I, I am sincere in my prayers. Try to be, I try to continue reading the scriptures. I try to be consistent in living the gospel. And it's those little things. It's those little primary answers of, precept upon precept, line upon line. There's, there's very rarely in our lives going to be those aha moments where everything just poof, you're mm. changed. It happens imperceptibly and people don't like that. They don't wanna go to the gym for three months and not see any magnificent change for the first four weeks. They want the change immediately. It's like, no, real progress, real success, real anything worth working for, it's gonna come little, 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 and it's gonna take time, it's gonna take persistence. And eventually you will become changed over time, but it's not gonna happen all at once. And that's hard, that's hard for everybody. But I've just seen so many times in my life where I've acted that out, where I've persevered, where I've been patient, I've, I've lived those principles consistently over a long period of time and, and uh, I, I know the process works. I know the gospel is true because I live it. I see people who don't want to live the gospel anymore. And I think you're crazy. Mm. I, I can't not live the gospel. I've tried living other ways. And anytime I live any other way besides the gospel roadmap, I have a less fruitful, less fulfilling, less peaceful outcome. Mm. And so to me, it's, it's a no brainer. And it's just, I want to be happy. I want to, I want to have the fruits of the gospel, and so I'm going to continue living them. So, so okay. Can I kind of, if it's okay, I want to switch this up a little bit. 
um, directionally. Because when you said with your kids and parenting, it made me wonder, you know, to be a successful YouTuber, you have to listen to your audience, right? And, you know, your kids being your audience at home, you know, what would what are some of the things that applying that to your real family life, what are some of the things that you're hearing that you would, that you probably, like, you know, you, you listen to your audience. This is what is helpful to know how to grow your, you know, you're following your subscriptions, right? Like if you wanted to fall, if you wanted to grow your subscription and your family in your personal life, what, what is that? What does that look like? What are they telling you? And what would you do? First of all, my wife is the best human I know. And <laughs> she's the, everything I've become is because she's pushed me to become it. She pushes me to Christ more than anyone I know. And specifically with our kids. Um, I remember early on, um, when our kids were, you know, two, three, four years old, she wanted to do scripture study with the kids. And I thought, yeah, they're like three, like they're not gonna get mm. anything out of that. Let's, we'll do it later. And she's like, no, I, I feel really strongly that we should, we should do scripture study every night with the kids. And I just wasn't getting on board. And so she just started doing it. And a few weeks in, I started catching the vision and I'm like, this feels good. This feels right. <laughs> this is a good thing she's doing. And you'd be surprised, but kids, even two, three years old, they pick up a whole lot more than you think. Yeah. And then we practice praying with them and they are saying the things in the prayer that we said in scripture study. And oh. you're just shocked. You're like, oh my gosh, they were listening and they absorbed something. I love Joseph Smith's phrase, we, we teach correct principles and then they govern themselves, mm. right? And that's how I treat my students, my fans, my followers on YouTube. And that's how I treat my kids at home as well is I believe that because both my film students and my kids, they will take advantage of um, as much as you give them. And so they'll, if you, if, if you let them, they will take your hand and make you walk them through every step of, of life and every aspect of it. With, with video production and filmmaking, so many students email me wanting me to you know, tell them exactly what to do on every step of the process. And it's like, look, yeah. it's, it changes by scenario. I, can't, I can give you exactly what I do, but when you go to do it, it's gonna be different. And you're not gonna know what to do if you're focused on the application and not on the principle above that application. And so with my students, I focus on teaching correct principles. And then I say, all right, now you have to figure out how to apply that principle. Here are some examples of how I've applied it in specific scenarios, specific applications, but now you have to go out and figure out how to apply that in your unique situations. And that takes effort, that takes work, that takes practice. That's something I can't do for you. Mm. And the same thing at home with our kids, we focus on teaching correct principles and, and give them examples in our lives of, hey, here's how we've applied this. But look, you're gonna come across situations that we haven't been in and you're gonna have to know these principles and then figure out how to apply them. You're gonna have to put in that work. You're gonna have to put in that effort, that consistency, that practice to make these principles become a part of who you are. The church just changed the strength for youth recently. Mm. They didn't get rid of the principles. They didn't get rid of the doctrines. They cut out the applications. 
I said, all right, you know what? We're, you guys are getting lost in the applications. We're not gonna tell you exactly all the rules, everything to do. Here's the principle. Now figure out how to govern yourself. The only way to be successful in life is by learning correct principles and going through that drudgery of studying them, applying them, failing, studying, applying, failing until they become embedded and you understand and know and feel those principles to be true and you've acted them out enough to the point where they're a joy. You want to live them because you, you've gotten the fruits and you see that they are real and it's no longer this burden, but it's actually a joy. Wow. What I've gained so far from this is and I love what you said at the beginning. It's, this is more of, it's, it's not just some formula as it is a way of being, a way of becoming something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's the biggest misconception in the gospel, right? We look at the gospel as this list of commandments, these principles that have to be done. And it's, it's a burden, right? And the way to convert the gospel and any aspect in life, you know, your job, if you, if you hate going to work every Monday, personally, I can't wait to wake up and go to work on Monday. I know it sounds cheesy, but I, I love working because I've figured out how to convert work from a burden to a joy. And it's the same process in any aspect of life. If your marriage is a burden, if you wanna convert that to a joy, if going to church is a burden, if you wanna convert that to a joy, you have to allow it into your heart. You have to allow it to become a part of you and not just something that you do. And so to me, that's the biggest misconception in the gospel. And if people would understand that one thing, they would understand that, look, if I'm just willing to put in the work, put in the practice, apply these principles until they become a part of who I am, then they will actually start to bring joy to my life. And so if that's something, again, I'm, I'm always having to do to continue to have that process take place in my life, it's a continuing thing. And I've taken my foot off the gas pedal at times and I've seen the repercussions. So again, it's something that it's a continuous thing, but um, that process of learning how to act in doctrine, fully engaged in heart, and not just in mind or action only, is what's going to lead people from having a burdensome life to having a joyful life. Men are that they might have joy and the gospel, living it fully is what will bring us that joy. Amen to that. Well, thank you for coming. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for, having for being me. willing to, to share your experience. Um, I believe that everything that you said is real and true, but, uh, but don't take our word for it. Find out for yourself. Thank you, Parker. Thank you for having us. Yeah, great to be here. Appreciate and it. Glad we had this time together. This is Parker Walbeck, author of Full-Time Filmmaker, a family man, successful YouTuber, and most importantly, a child of God. Uh, I'm Stephen Jones. Thanks for watching. See you next time.